Amen. Amen. I want to welcome everybody to uh, those are watching online and those in the house to our, our Wednesday midweek service. Uh, this month we're hitting Relationship Boot Camp, our first installment of Boot Camp. We spend time talking about uh, our relationship with God because you can't have a solid relationship, whether it's with your spouse, your fiance, your children, your boss, uh, co-workers, your teammates, if you don't have a solid relationship with God. That love from God um, that he pours in your heart is what we use to pour into the hearts of the people that we encounter. So we spend time talking about that. And then Sunday we had a good time. Lisa, I thought we had a good time. Uh, we spent time talking about um, committing to love, doing what's best. So not what's comfortable, not, not, not what's easiest, but uh, just opening ourselves up to do what's best, being transparent and vulnerable. Uh, we had some good testimonies from the, 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 the couples and some people that chimed in. All right, so today we're going to, because we were talking about what's best, so we're going to get into uh, doing what's best as it relates to parenting. Mm -hmm. Now, again, before you go where well, I don't have any children or um, my kids are old, we all either have parents, our parents, or looking to be parents. Um, so I think this, uh, this is not just, uh, you got Zamain sitting here, and you got uh, Chris and, and Daryl, so it's not just how Venetia should navigate her relationship with them, it's how they should navigate with her, and it's how we uh, can navigate with, with, with uh, as parents and with our parents, okay? All right, so I'm going to let Pastor Mel open up, um, um, and we're kind of pulling a little from doing what's best on Sunday and just going to transition and just talking a little bit about parenting today. So before we get started, I wanted to uh, share with everybody that's watching our viewing audience as well as the people here, um, everything that we talk about across the pulpit is universal. So sometimes you'll hear something and you'll be like, cutting out again. Sometimes, you're <laughs> Sometimes you'll hear, uh, you know, a word or, or what have you, and it sounds like the exact same situation that you're, you're in or have been through or going through. And the reality is your situation is universal. It's not just, you know, hey, you know, Venetia, or it's, it's universal. So I, I, have, I feel like I have to do that because sometimes you can hear, sit in a service, and you can shut down because you think that they're talking about you. But no one said any names, you know, I mean, it's like... Well, if you think they're talking about you, the Holy Spirit is probably talking about you. But that's true. That's yeah. true. But it's not necessarily pulling your isolated situations. It's probably probably something you need to hear at that particular time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. So uh, we'll put this here in case. Um, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, one of the things that we have to do as parents, uh, as caregivers, whatever, is create boundaries for children. We've got to create boundaries for children. Um, you know, basically, you want to go ahead and yeah, so, so, so this is the thing. When your boundaries are, are in your blind spot or, 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 or blurred, you'll find yourself in an immature place. Like, you know, we think boundaries are for prevention, but they're really for protection. 
even the word, mm-hmm. all of our scriptures are to keep us, the Bible talks about a narrow way in Matthew 7, 13, to keep us in God's path for us to be fulfilled. But a lot of times when you think things are prevent, pre, prevention, I remember I did a, uh, uh, I guess you'd call it chapel with uh, a professional football team, and I asked them, okay, so if I tell you you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, what's your first thought? And they all raised their hand and said, well, I'm going to figure out a way to do it anyway because I feel like you're trying to restrict me for what I want to do. You know what I'm saying? So, but if you understand boundaries are protection, then what you're trying to do, you're just trying to stay within that protection. You know how you run under shelter when it's raining? Trying to protect yourself from getting wet, right? But you don't see the shelter as trying to restrict you from what? What? It's, it's your protection. So yeah. I wanted to emphasize that. Well, and, and that could apply to anything and everything, to be honest. We must have boundaries in our lives. I'm happy to use this. Okay. Can you cut this off? Because it, it keeps cutting in and out. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, the boundaries, as I said, can be across the board. Um, but we have to start thinking, like almost being boundary-minded. <laughs> uh, because if you don't, you will set yourself up to find yourself in a, in a pickle of some sort, uh, dangerous or, or, or whatever, but it can be really a dangerous thing when you do not have a mindset of boundaries. Don't give your children control because they don't know what to do with it. Whatever you do, do not give the kids control because you won't, they don't know what to do with it. They're still learning, you know, um, and they're, they're still, you know, sometimes they learn by examples, but, but most of the time they really know, they need to know what to do and what not to do, but it's up to us to do it. Uh, I know he had a family member say, what was it? What, what did the family member say? Well, well I, I, I didn't want to say it. I should have said, well. <laughs> uh, well, that, we'll that wasn't later. the first, that, what I'm about to say is not the first time I've heard it, you know, where a person feels we'll like. We'll talk about it later. Well, well I wasn't even going to say that. I was okay. just going to bring, bring it back to what I was saying. You know, um, they, they basically, I'll give you a for instance. Like for me, I grew up uh, in a household where my mother uh, was very busy. My parents were divorced and she was extremely busy doing her thing. And so for the most part, we kind of raised ourselves. You know, we didn't have her like telling us what to do. What, what she, uh, it's not that she didn't, but for the most part, we kind of raised ourselves. And, and that's not an idea situation. You need guidance as children, you know, because children are going to take the path of least resistance. They're, you know, they're not going to challenge themselves. They're going to want what they want when they want it. And, and so it's up to us to actually guide them to, to, because they don't know that what I'm about to choose is dangerous for not just right now, but for later. And so, and sometimes it could be greater. So take advantage of the control that you do have while they're young so that when they are older, um, they may possibly choose what you've trained them to do. So that's, that's big right there because from zero to 12, kids are really told, we pretty much tell them what to do. After 12, it's like straight influence. It's like you have to influence them in some cases, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to, to lead them and guide them oftentimes. So zero to 12, this, that's a perfect time to be in control, like literally control, control. And we'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what they do, what they, what they wear, all of that. Um, 
you want to go ahead and hit that? Bless you. Oh, some choices um, uh, we make today for our kids can affect their future. Um, and so uh, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, here's, here's why I say that for me personally. Um, I, was, I, was four, I was 15 and I wanted to go to this party. And uh, my mom actually dressed me up. I mean, I looked, I, I, was, I was looking good that day. <laughs> I felt like I was looking really, like she really spent some time to, to make, uh, make me look really good. And, and so uh, I ended up going to the party and that party changed my life forever because that's the day I got pregnant. That's the day I gave my virginity. I didn't give it up, but that's the day that it was taken. How old were you? 15. And so see, here my, my mother, she may not have done what was best, but that choice affected my whole life. Now, he's a blessing now, but I, at, at 15 pregnant, and the person said they didn't want to even, that wasn't their child, they denied the kid. So that, that was trauma, straight trauma. And you know, y'all have heard my testimony of, of um, hiding it for seven months. So anyway, that one choice that she made as a parent, thinking that she was, see, because I, I presented myself like, oh, can I go to this party? It's gonna be so, you know, so good, and I'm gonna be safe, and, and she didn't know the person, she didn't know where, where, I don't even know if she even knew where the house was. And, but she okayed for me to go. Um, and now my mom, you know, she's since passed, but she, she ended up as a Christian uh, a woman of God. But early on, uh, that one decision affected my whole life. Mm -hmm. So, so connected to what we were talking about doing what's best, if we looking through the lenses of doing what's best, I know what my son, I've always told him, says, son, it's not about what's comfortable for you. It's not about what's comfortable for me. It's about what's best. And I said, for the rest of your life, I want you to start making choices based on looking through those lenses. I want to do what's best. And so a lot of times it may be popular, but that don't, make it, that don't mean it's best. Uh, uh, this may bust some bubbles. It may be a prom, and that may be an event everybody has, but that don't mean it's best. I can tell you right now, the majority of people that I know that are going through a lot in their life, their whole life was changed at a problem yeah. for the negative. So, 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 see now, in me making that statement, that's not me making a statement because I don't like proms. That's not me making a statement because everybody likes proms. That's me making a statement of the reality of the impact of proms. You see what I'm saying? So that's what's best. I got to share what's best, not try to accommodate or smooth it over. Um, but we don't think about these things. We go, well, you know, I've always wanted to do this, and I didn't get a chance, so I want my, my child to do. But you don't know what your child's going to experience in that particular time. So, so sometimes we're playing out, um, you know, what we've seen on TV and things of that nature. And so when she said what she said, you know, I think about, you know, I think my son said something recently. I'm going to keep repeating it over and over and over. One, because it really was a great impact. But he told my wife, he said, Mom, the best thing you and Dad ever gave me was God. And, and, and when, I, when I heard that, I said, okay, you know, I mean, he's still growing, but if, he, if he's looking at life that way, I'm good. 
Right. So now you got to ask yourself, what do your kids say? So you have to ask yourself, oh, what, what will they say? You know what I'm saying? So because, and I remember a young man, um, I'm still friends with him now, and when, as he was raising his child, and he was talking to me, we worked together. I said, listen, man, you want your child to have the best of everything, don't you? He said, yeah. I said, well, what's the best of everything? God. I said, it's not, uh, not the shoes, it's not the clothes, it's not Disney. All that stuff is temporary. It's God. I said, that's going to keep him throughout his life. Disney ain't going to keep him. You know, the shoes and the clothes ain't going to keep him. That's going to actually, they just be happy about that in this moment. And so the, so the issue is not uh, always it's a struggle. The issue is it's when we're saving faith, well, when saving faith is, is a bigger prior, priority than doing what's best for our children. So sometimes us looking good and being liked is more important than doing what's best. And so we had a situation with our son when he was 17, 18. Well, I think it was 17 and 18. Uh, but I know the first time he had to leave, he might, I think he was 18. And so he was trying to come back. So, he, so of course, he went the mom route to come back. <laughs> so he called her up. He said he wanted to come back home. She called me up. I said, okay, well, no problem. I said, uh, I might have said first I'll pray about it. I don't know if I said I'll pray about it or, or we could talk. But she was concerned that I didn't right away go, Sure. And then, so she, was, so, so she was a little bothered. I'm not going to get into the whole conversation there. And I said, well, babe, I hear from God in every other aspect of our life. You got to trust him to hear from God with our son. And I said this. I said, we can't help a situation at the expense of his life. So his life has to be our goal, not just convenience in the situation. Because if we convenience the situation, that's about us. Us being liked. Us saving face. But we got to do what's best for him. And the results is him saying the best thing y'all ever gave us was God. We didn't know that was going to be the results. It was just like we just got to do what's best for him. He eventually came back home because he, uh, the Holy Spirit hit him over the head and he said the right thing at the last minute. He was talking crazy, you know, and he was talking his way out of coming back home. But the last minute, he said, you know what, because she, was, she, she saw him talking crazy, so she was like, my husband ain't going for that. And then at the last minute, he says, well, mom, dad said he'll pray about him. Let him pray about him. And when he said that, I ain't hear him. I heard God. So, so he came back home. So if I can uh, interject something here. Um, what were your children's, uh, what kind of experiences would they say they had? So I think about Venetia and her children. Um, as often as she can, she's here at the church. And her kids have the experience of being here at the church. So guess what? When they talk about their stories, it's going to be about the church. So she's given, you know, and, and we're going to get into something a little later, mm -hmm. uh, but she's given the best gift that she can give her children. And that is, hey, you know what? I can't do it all by myself, but daggone it, I'm going to take them where they can get fed. <laughs> and so whether they're playing in their seat, the subconscious mind is still getting fed. 
And, and, and so, you know, these boys right now may not appreciate, you know, oh, mom, we got to go to, we got to ch go to church. You know, uh, I'm hungry. I'm tired. I, you know, I don't want to. And then you, you, you like the fellowship at the end and we ain't going to get home till 10 or 11 o'clock at night, <laughs> you know, and, and that may very well be their story, but there's going to be some additional things. He, look, he's, he's pointing to his brother, <laughs> you know, it, there'll be some additional things because they're picking up a lot, a whole lot of things y'all are caught instead of taught so it's not just what's taught but it's what's caught and so them being in the presence of God them being in the fellowship of God's people uh, is big that's the greatest gift you can give your kids so, so this is the key don't show them compromise and expect them to commit so a lot of times as you, you, you so I know us that are older well I'm 59 you're 60 so <laughs> Us, us that are older. Thank you for reminding me. I'm, I only got a few months to do this. So. Eight to be exact. Yeah. So, so us that are older, we've heard the phrase, don't do what I do, do what I say do. Okay, that's not even, that's not even realistic. Because even when I was told that, I'm not going to do what you, I'm, a, I'm, I'm looking at what you're doing. And based on what you're doing, it's going to determine if you're credible to me. So, I, so of course you, you you were my authority. So I had to I had to listen, but I walked away going, man, please, like you ain't doing that. You just lied to me, and you told me not to lie. Matter of fact, you beat me senseless for not lying, and then you just lied. You just lied, told me you had no money, and you just sent me to the store. <laughs> like I, this actually happened, and you know I'm, I was young, and I was like, hold on a second, you just told me we uh, we were talking about this at the house. So you know when they tell you. Tell me the truth, and you won't get a spanking. Remember that one? And then you tell the truth, and you still get the spanking? Yeah. So in this particular situation, don't lie to me. Tell me the truth. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to tell the truth. And I got beat with the hanger. So then that, that later that day, I had to go to the store. But before I had to go to the store, the son asked for some money. I don't have no money. And then they sent me to the store. So I was like, hold on a second. You just lied. So now you're losing credibility of mine. Even though I'm a kid, mm -hmm. you've lost credibility. So now your, 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 your authority and your words don't have the same value. Mm -hmm. you know. And I can be tempted to be rebellious because I don't trust you now. Because you're saying one thing and you're doing something else. It's a domino effect. It creates uh, collateral damage. Because people follow the spirit of the leader. And that's the person with the... the, the a level of God's understanding in the house or a person that has the control in the house. And so, so, so as she was saying, she, had, she was in a situation where she had a parent that had the control, made a choice, allowed something that wasn't best. But some of us, it's not even an allowance. Sometimes the kids don't want to do something. We go, well, you know, you need to be around, uh, there's something wrong. You need to be around these friends. You can push them in a compromised situation. Because every child has their timing. Right. And you're pushing them based on what's comfortable for you, not what's best for them. Mm -hmm. Right? And so we don't realize, uh, what, and, and people say these scripture wrong, but our choices, what we expose ourselves to, we expose our family to. So not just the things that we say, but let's say we expose ourselves to, to lust, to fear, to anger. Well, well, fear and anger is coming in the house. And so it's like, 
it's, if you could, if you can kind of see it, if you use your imagination, you know, you have uh, lust comes knocking at your door. You open the door. Lust walks in the house. So you open the door. Lust, lust walks in the house. But while lust is walking in the house, you got fear. You got anger. You got doubt. You got all these other people right behind them, and they disperse in, in your house. And you're sitting there negotiating with lust. Man, come on, man. You're always trying to come in the house. Man, get out of here. So lust leaves. But you got all these other demons in your house that you opened the door for. And they're going to take the path of least resistance. And what's the path of least resistance? Your children. And so a lot of times you can be, I mean, I'm just trying trying to get through this, man. I'm doing better, man. I'm trying to get through this. And then you look and your kids are acting certain types of ways. And you're like, what's wrong with that child? Mm -hmm. It's the spirit that was letting out. Now, now, sometimes we're going through stuff as adults or as, as young adults. We go, man, I'm just carrying a, uh, what is it, uh, the curse of my father. You know, there's a curse on my family. And sometimes we're using that as an out because we're not necessarily appropriating the scripture right. It does say uh, uh, the sins of the father visiting the children to the fourth generation, right? That's the scripture people use. But what it says, well, well let's look at it. Let's look at uh, one of, one of it is in the Bible quite a few times, but Exodus 34, verse 7. Yeah, just so we're, we're, we're keeping it in context. All right, so, so it opens up with this. It says, keeping mercy for a thousand. So God keeps mercy for a thousand. It says, forgiving inequity and transgression and sin. So this is the baseline here. And it says... But it says, now it says there's a, there's, there's a contrast. And, that, and that, that, that mercy will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the inequity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children until the third and to the fourth generation. So it's saying, it's saying that, okay, God's looking to forgive, but in no way that's, that's clearing the guilty. That people that just are, you know, hard hearts and rebellious hearts. But it's saying people that have hard hearts and, and, and are, are caught up in sin, the consequences are visiting ahead of them. So you make choices today that affect your family tomorrow. So we know that through Adam and Eve, right? They made a choice and they're still fighting over in other countries and, and we're still... You know, people, are, uh, mothers are laboring to birth. You know, uh, we labor. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll get into that at another time, but we're laboring to do stuff. And so that's because of somebody's choice way back then. You know, uh, the scripture says, um, by one man's sin, well, one man's disobedience, sin entered into the world, right? But just like by Christ's obedience, you know, uh, we were delivered. So when it says visiting, what it's saying is the consequences visit you, but you're not stuck in the consequences. And so some people are going, because my, my, my father did this, hey, this is why, this is why I roll this way, Ms. Lamar, because of what happened in the other generations. Um, but let, let, let me give you Ezekiel 18. Let's look at Ezekiel 18. Show you your glasses. It's <laughs> probably something down there. It's right there. So right after I read this, could you hand me those? Thanks. Please. Thank you. 
All right, so Ezekiel 18, verse um, 20. It says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die, and the son shall bear the iniquity of the father. It's, it, no, it says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. It says, the son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The, righteous of the, right, the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. So it's saying that person's choice is their consequence. Their consequence because, they, they're, they're, because we're all responsible for generations in our choices, those consequences bleed out, but we have a choice of what to do to make sure those consequences doesn't bleed in us. So yes, the consequences may visit us, but we have a choice to rise above the poor start. So the consequences of maybe my parents' choices, I had a poor, poor start. So that was the consequence, right? But that poor start, I'm not trapped in it. I have choice within that poor, poor start to create a whole new paradigm. Because it's visiting me, it's, it's, it's offering itself to me for me to carry into another generation. I have the choice to reject it and say, I appreciate it. I understand you've been hanging out with my family for a long time, but I'm actually taking another bus. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, so, so don't, don't, let, don't let what's happened, and because at times you've participated in some of the same things, normally that's because we yielded to sin. You yield to sin, you pick up some of those consequences and carry them too. You yield to God, you actually can rise above those consequences. Does that make sense? Yeah, because, you know, I've, I've talked to people like, almost like, ain't nothing I can do. My whole family's been doing it. Mm. That's not true. You, we have choice. Yeah, man. Yeah, I just want to interject. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Um, so, and some of y'all, most everybody can probably relate to what I'm about to say. Um, so, pornography is a good example of that where honestly little boys or boys um, learned a lot from their father that the father did it. So now they, they pass it on to their son and then the son uh, gets older and then they pass it on. So the, the pornography becomes like a generational thing. I mean, if you, if, you, if you, seriously, you go back and they'd be like, well, you know, dad used to have it in the shed, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, well, I found, you know, the books and then before you know it, he, now son, what you want to do? You know, I don't know what kind of conversation they have, but they having some kind of conversation because the boys are learning. We're not always having conversations. Well, not necessarily. That's true. You sneak in and watch the stuff that you, that right. has been made available. But the dad knows that one day they're going to do that. So how come he ain't having that conversation? You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's been a generational thing in, 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 in the, you know, and, and a lot of uh, men and boys are now, it's, it's, it's gone beyond that. Women. It's like, it's, it's like at a whole nother level. What'd you say? Well, yeah, he said women and girls. It's, it's, you're, you're so true. Um, Especially in this culture. But we're talking about men right now. No. <laughs> but, but that's the truth, y'all, because the whole thing, that has gotten like 10 times or 100 times worse because now we got the Internet. You know, back in the day, you just had the little book. 
you know what I mean, or the magazine. But now, you know, it's like out there. You had to go find it. Now it finds you. you. Now it finds you. They, you, you, you. Look, one time he uh, clicked on something and and. No way he. What? It was me. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so what happened was, yep. So what happened was, I was on his computer and it was I was on my phone. Dix. No, it was Dix. It was Dix. Sport, uh, sporting. Sporting good. good. Yeah. Well, I put that. in. <laughs> <laughs> no, that one was me. That one was you? Going into the sporting good, yeah. <laughs> Which one did I do? Uh, you did the phone. The phone? Yeah, oh, yeah, Lord, yeah. yes. Yeah. You, you, yeah. <laughs> what you say, you know, kid. Well, <laughs> well, we said sporting goods. Yeah. Sporting goods, anyway. <laughs> so. Huh? huh? They do have their their headphones. Well, that is the name of the that is the name of the sporting goods. Yeah, it's called Dick's uh, Sporting Goods. Yeah, he said <laughs> he said you're fine. <laughs> anyway, um, so I just wanted to put that out there. So you know, like, be mindful of what are you telling your sons and daughters. Um, All right. So it's not about being comfortable at another's expense. A parent does what's best, not what's comfortable. And and this is the thing. Like, so so when we were talking about these whole patterns, we want to watch what we do and we want to do what's best, not just for us, but for our, our kids. Sometimes we're so ignorant to our kids, like we pretend they're not there uh, because they're young until they grow up, but as we've been talking about, we pick up on things when we're young. So, so you, you want to watch what you expose. Like, you, you, you're not, and sometimes it's not, my wife was saying that, that people know it's gonna happen, so they should prepare them kids for it not to happen. Well, some of us grew up in cultures where it was a part of the culture, so they wasn't gonna prepare you not to do it, they was gonna train you to do it. It was something like, what's wrong with you and you're, if you're not doing this? You know, so it's one of, you know, I'm in New Jersey, that's kind of the culture I grew up in. And, and but, but you don't have to become that. Uh, I think of the story of the, uh, the eagle growing up in a chicken coop. And so what happens is one of, the, one of the eagle's eggs fell in the chicken coop. So by the time it hatched, it came out of the chicken coop, it came out in the chicken coop, and the eagle looked around and saw chickens. The chickens pecked, the eagle pecked. The chickens, whatever the chickens did, they hopped around, the eagle hopped around. And so, you know, one day they're, 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 they're basically having a jumping contest and the eagle takes off and jumps and jumps higher than it, it thought it can handle. So it started flapping his wings in panic. Well, it ended up flying. Well, when it started to fly, it felt good and it flew over some water and it looked and saw it was an eagle and not a chicken. So it flew back by the coop and said, bye-bye chickens. Mm. And so sometimes we're eagles acting like chickens. Right? And so we're conforming to less than who we are. Right? So that's why the Bible says, you know, when you're looking in the Word, you're looking at a mirror and you see yourself face to face. That's what the eagle did when he flew over the water. He saw what he really was as opposed to what he had been around. You know, so you can't just come. See, see, we live in a society, they are doing it. Well, that eagle was saying, the, they, the chickens are doing But it wasn't the chicken. And so we're doing the same thing. We're saying they are doing it, and we approve things based on the majority. Birds of a feather flock together, but they also fly to the same destination. 
So you want to make sure you're not an eagle hanging around chickens or sparrows. You know, sparrows only go to us, but, uh, but so high, they can't handle the altitude. And sparrows actually pick on the eagle's wings. And for the eagles to get rid of the sparrows, they fly to a higher level because they know the sparrows are going to what? Suffocate. They can't go to that altitude. So sometimes we're, we're, we're allowing people to ride on our wings and weigh us down from elevating to our altitude, right? Let me read this scripture. First uh, Corinthians six twelve says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but it will not be brought under the power of I any, or I will not be brought, I'm sorry, I will not be brought under the power of any. And uh, th that word expedient is saying profitable. So doing what's best. Doing what's best. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, all things are lawful, but not what's best. Mm -hmm. And going forward, if all of us in our life, it doesn't make a difference what we've done. It's all about what we're going to do. So we haven't always done what's best, but we can do what's best right now. We can choose to, for the rest of our life, I'm just going to do what's best. And so it's, it's, it's a very uncomfortable thing. But you almost, once you be develop that habit, you can't sit still without doing what's best. You know, in your own personal life, as it relates to your kids, as it relates to parenting, as it relates to anybody you have authority over, you know, you're going to do what's best. You know, if it becomes a part of your default. Not what's comfortable, but what's best. Mm -hmm. And so having said that, you know, oftentimes we don't look at some of the things that we allow. Um, you know, I think you said earlier, you know, sometimes people at school, you know, they uh, do certain things. And so your kid wants certain things because they see, you know, Sally had it. Um, but we, you know, oftentimes uh, we do not like the, ch oftentimes children don't like the choices that we make for them, like what to wear, what to listen to, uh, what to look at. Um, but we have to do what's best for them. And so, I, you know, we put that in there because there are people that are doing things that may not be age appropriate. So, for instance, you may have a child who might be, uh, actually, our granddaughter. Our granddaughter Let one time. Put my granddaughter. <laughs> she, she, talking about my granddaughter. She had pick on. Pick somebody else. Well, no, I'm going to pick her. She, <laughs> man, I don't know. She had makeup on this particular time. And she didn't go out. I, I think she was just dolling herself up. But she had. She she had eyeliner on, and now she's nine. I think she was probably nine at the time. She had eyeliner on. She had a big old uh, ponytail that, that came all the way down to the, her. The, 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 the glue nails. The glue nails, like long nails. And I'm thinking, what in the world? So, but kids at that age are, are experimenting doing things like that. That's just not appropriate. They're, number one, they're 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 not ready for it. They're not ready for it. They're, they're, it's, it's almost like you're pushing them to a level they're not ready for it, or pushing them to a, a level that honestly will bite you in the butt later because the, now they're acting grown. You ever hear people say, "Oh, she's just so grown," you know? Well, a lot of it is because what she's been allowed to do. So we have to be mindful when we say yes to, you know, it could be saggy pants. You know, everybody's doing it, right? But why does the why do your kids have to do that? You know, why can't he 
uh, have a standard. And nowadays, girls too. It ain't just guys doing it. Girls are doing it too. So we have to guide them and make the choices for them. See, think about it. I, I, I hear this a lot. Well, you know, they, 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 um, they like this kind of stuff. Yeah, but who's buying it? <laughs> so the person is acting as though they have no control, but they're buying it. Like, you don't have to spend your money to buy it, right? And so, but people will use that as an excuse to allow them to, and really it's, it's taking the path of least resistance because they don't want to hear the child's mouth. You know, they don't want to see the kid get upset with them. You know, sometimes they... So they want to be liked. They want to be liked. More they want to do what's best for the child. Yeah. Um, so if, if we do what's best, if we don't do what's best, how will they learn when they grow up? Because ultimately, what you're training them to do right now is for later. Oftentimes, it's for later. So what you do right now determines how their later is going to end up being. Uh, so they have to have order. These are some things uh, children need. Number one, order. And you had the uh, English Standard Version. Do you have that? No, I didn't. Oh, you don't have it. But you uh, in your own time. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I really want, I, if I put that there, it's because I, I believe that that's something that we need to uh, hear. Uh, so they must have order while he's looking it up. Uh, the second thing they need is structure. When, that's, scripture is decent. Yeah, but if for some reason that easy standard verse, uh, probably, is that what they call that easy standard version? Um, anyway, structure. When there's no structure, the children will be all over the place. You've got to have structure. Um, what'd you say? You said what? So order, it, it's kind of, it could be synonymous, but order is um, uh, you, you have, they have direction. They have, um, like when they come home, they know what to do. Uh, when they go to bed, they know what to do. Um, it's it's a, 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 a system that you've, uh, you've established in the household um, that in order for it to run smoothly, um, in order for them to grow, it's just order. It's just, um, you know, uh, that's probably the best way I could describe it. It's just having a sense of order. You know, you ever been in a home where it's chaotic? There is no order in the home. Um, I don't know if any of y'all experienced that, but it can be really, really crazy back in the day, yeah. Uh, so order has to be in your home. Structure uh, has to be in your home because, uh, again, people, the kids will, like structure would be, you know, again, uh, when they come home, what, what are your, what are the expectations? What, what, you one is know. the system and one is how you carry out the system. That's good. Yeah, that's good. One's the system, which, which the system would be um, order, no, system structure. Would be structure. Yeah, structure, and then carrying it out would be the order. Um, and then stability. They need a sense of security and knowing that when they go to bed at night, everything's going to be okay when they wake up. The, one of the worst things is for a child to be brought up in a volatile situation, and they don't know like what's going to happen 
you know, if you've ever been in a household where parents are arguing, uh, you know, uh, things are flying across the room, uh, you know, they're hearing mom talk about dad or dad talk about mom in a really bad way, um, that is a really volatile situation for a child and it doesn't lend for them to have any peace. So when they go to bed at night, they don't know what the heck they're going to get in the morning. So that is not fair to a child. You know, they should never, ever deal with adult situations, ever. I mean, and that's why, you know, a lot of times people, when they're in uh, talking about sensitive things that that's really not for, for kids, um, they think that they'll say, well, you know, Johnny is over, you know, in the room, but Johnny's listening to everything. <laughs> Johnny may Sitting may not be present. He said, yeah, and so we we gotta we gotta watch. You know, like you know, well they're not paying attention. You know, you be talking about something real real serious, and the child is listening to it. Well, you know, they're they're actually playing on their iPad. Yeah, they're playing on their iPad. But just like you know, we got mama ears. They got ears too, and they, they hear everything. So we really want to make sure that we're not exposing them to things that they're not ready for. My nephew used to be under the table, and you'd be so, mm. and, and, and they would be so busy talking, nobody would notice. Mm. Like he would just be, now he's right there, listening to the whole conversation under the table. And I was like, what's she doing under there, man? Get out of here. And I'm telling you, arguing. You like that? You like that? Arguing in front of your children is a no-no. I grew up where I saw, you know, my mother, uh, you know, and not just arguing, but even if there's any physical things, I saw where, you know, my mother was pushed, you know, and that man, especially when you're young and you watch that, you you don't know what's going to happen. You you th you fearing for your own life even. You know, at times. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so it just, and it causes fear. It causes extreme fear uh, when you're exposed to stuff like that. So try your best not to allow children to hear uh, some of the arguments that uh, one might have. Um, discipline. They need uh, discipline. Where are we at? Okay, yes. So discipline. They need discipline. All right, so, so, so with that in mind, kind of like structure, um, we talk a lot about behavior modification. Actually, it was my profession at one time. And behavior modification is it's, it's, it's set up where it's not personal. So when someone does something, they cause the consequence. But they know in advance, well, if you do this, this is going to happen. If you do this, this is going to happen. So when they do it, you gotta, it got to happen. You know, and but once it happens, it's not you're mad. It's well, obviously you wanted the consequence because you already knew if you didn't do what I asked you to do, this was going to happen. And you make it progressive. See, when you're mad, sometimes you go to I'm, I'm going to use the phrase "ace in the hole." It might not be appropriate, but you go to your 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 top. Let's say if your if your if your top punishment is the spanking, you go right to that. Now, what you got? What you got now? Okay, we're not talking about abusing with your fist over there. All right, but you understand what I'm saying? You, you've already gone to an extreme. So now, now how do you progress? You, you're out of, you don't know what to do now because you've, but if you, if you started with the warning or the, the, the and you progress to uh, the, 
<laughs> the pain, you know, now the pain means something. But I, I know of a situation where a person, all they did was every time they went to extreme. So one day they were, this, this, this young girl had to be, I don't know, could have been 10 or 11. And, and she was hitting her with a broom. And so she was hitting her. Uh, she was spanking her. And she, and she used to cry at the top of her lungs. She was not crying. And when she finished, the little girl said, you finished? And I saw the look in the mother's eyes. She was frightened because she realized there's nothing I can do. Like, she's so numb now, I'm not affecting her. It's, 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 it should be a progress, and it should never be personal, and you cannot discipline out of anger. If you discipline out of love, they come back and give you a hug. You discipline out of anger, eventually they run away from you. So, and a good example of anger, um, the way it can look is if you took your fist and you hit the child. That, that... (laughs) (laughs) That, that is, you know, (laughs) some... (laughs) Chokes included. Well, you know, we apologize. we're family, so, we, you know. We, we, have a, uh, <laughs> we have a young comedian sitting here. But, but using your fist, choking, you know, doing like those kind of acts is something that you would do if you're in a fight. You know, you're a fight, you fight your, mm-hmm. your friend out there or whatever if you're younger. Uh, but to do it to your children is, is, is a form of disrespect. Uh, it's a form of... of um, uh, abuse. It is a form of abuse. It really is. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, we're not talking about, you know, because the Bible t- tells us to, you know, beat the child, but, and they won't die. Yeah, I think we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that, okay. But, but, but I'll say this, I'll say this. You also, as you're bringing up young kids, you're, you're, you're really not supposed to hit them with your hands. Right. You know, because you can just make a gesture down the road and they'll jump from you. You're supposed to, you know, I mean, again, find a switch or something like that, but it should never be with your physical hands. Because now they know the difference. But, like, but let's say, you know, some people, they pick, up, they pick up whatever the switch or something like that. The kids be like, they, they were making all types of noise. They quiet because you picked up something. But you don't want to be having a basic conversation. They're jumping from you because they don't know if that hand movement is you're going to knock them outside their head. Mm-hmm. That's good. And, you know, I even, uh, I used to be a director of a preschool, and so uh, I got us involved in programs that talked about some of the disciplinary type things that is appropriate for children. One of the things they said is, whatever you do, do not put a child in a corner. It's a sign of humiliation. It's, you know, (laughs) so, you know, and so I thought that was interesting because, you know, I stayed in the corner when I was young. You know, seriously, I, you know, every time I turned around, I was in the corner. And I do remember feeling, you know, I felt, I felt like um, I, I just didn't feel good at all. I, I can't even describe it, but it was horrible. You know, just, and I mean, I wasn't in the corner for five minutes. It was, you know, so can you imagine just sitting there as a, as a five-year-old or a six-year-old in a corner and you're not doing anything but looking in the corner, you know, and now, you know, after a while you start to see a little, you know, you know, you're scratching little things and stuff like that. 
<laughs> but eating paint, uh, yeah, know. eating paint or whatever. But you know, that, but they did say that that was a, a form of humiliation. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, and then uh, where are we at here? Okay, so we got to be proactive as parents, not reactive. Be proactive, and you talk, you touched on it. You know, so the the best thing with that is, you know, make sure that you've already talked about, hey, if you do this, this is the consequence. That way it's not a surprise to them. Be clear about expectations of what you desire and expect of them. You know, don't, don't, don't uh, not be so clear where they gotta figure it out. Okay, did, did she really mean this or he mean that? Or no, be very clear uh, what they are uh, to be, what, what they can expect. Uh, make the consequences clear so that they, uh, so that if they make the wrong choices, they choose the consequences. And you said that mm -hmm. uh, earlier. Um, and the other thing is they, uh, we need to, uh, Teach them responsibility. That's big right there because here's the thing. We, we are in a society now where there's a lot of kids that are entitled. And, and those kids grow up. And they grow up to be insensitive. They really do. They grow up to be very insensitive. And so, in fact, even before they grow up, they're insensitive. Because you, you done bought them $50, $50, $100 sneakers, and they disrespect the sneakers you you know they there's just like you got to teach them how to be uh responsible you yeah. know how, how to how appreciate, to appreciate. Mm -hmm. you got to teach them how to appreciate because if if you just give them and give them give them see a lot of times people will give because that's their way they think as loving the child the child doesn't need stuff they need you and so a lot of times you know we got to watch that because we'll we'll must like We'll give the kid everything the kid wants, and we call it love. But not what they need. But not what they need. And so you, you're, the, the child actually grows up. You know, we have, a, we have a situation where our son, he was the only child. And, you know, being the only child, he didn't have to share. Um, and I, before he came along, I, I always felt like I needed to do for him. And so he really, I tried to give him the best of everything. He really never had to earn anything. And so now fast forward, he comes into the picture. Now he's giving him stuff. Cause remember when you buy shoes, he'd, he'd get mm -hmm. shoes. And, <laughs> and so um, as a result though, he took us for granted. And it, and, and, and it carried on when he got older, he was taking us for granted. And then now his children, are taking him for granted because now he's doing things and now he's seeing what we're talking about, but he's like his children now, cause Mondale does everything for his kids. I mean, some of the things he did, I couldn't even do, but he, you know, he got it like that. But just let you know, it's your mama <laughs> talking, about, talking about you. You know, financially he has it like that. So he's really doing a lot for his children. But at the same token, I noticed that they don't, they hadn't always appreciated. Mm -hmm. What he, what he, what we have done for them, or even uh, what uh, their dad is, and so it's very, very important that we don't create children that are not uh, appreciative. Mm -hmm. You know, cause take you for granted. Take you for granted, and it starts at a young age. And so, so uh, just a couple of scriptures uh, that so you'll have them. Hebrews twelve six to eight. You know, talks like God chastens or He corrects or disciplines the people that he loves. So discipline is about love, it's not about us. So I just wanted to make sure you had some word on that and then... Um, if you could 
You could read it when you do uh, read that. Read it in the, uh, what is that, American? No, that's the ampl that? classic amplifier. Classic it says, for the Lord corrects and disciplines everyone whom he loves. He punishes, even scourges, every son who he accepts and welcomes to his heart and cherishes. Uh, it says, you must submit to and endure correction for discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not thus train and correct and discipline? Now, if you are exempt from correction and left without discipline, in which all of God's children share, then you are illegitimate offspring and not true sons at all. So you have to care about somebody to discipline. You have to care about somebody to correct them. You have to care about somebody to address their behavior. You have to care. You know, it's easy to just blow people off and say, well, whatever happens to them, happens to them. I don't care, as long as they like me. Um, and that's dangerous. Proverbs 23, 13, King James, it says, withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beateth him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and this is the most important point, and shall deliver his soul from hell. So you're not beating them personally. You're beating them to drive out what's trying to possess their body and take their life. The adversary wants to, to, to initiate taking their life, but eventually he wants to destroy them. And so with this scripture, I always think about when I was in corrections, we had to do... Uh, child CPR. And so they gave us these fake babies and something was lodged in the throat and you had to thrust the baby. So when I did it, you know, you know, the man me, you know, I, I saw it like as a real baby. I was going like this and the lady said, what are you doing? I said, well, you said thrust the baby. She said, well, your baby going to die. If it's something in your baby's throat, it's going to die. She said, you're not going to break the baby. Thrust. What's your intent? To get what's lodged in them out. So you got to thrust until you get it out. And so the Lord showed me that's similar to when you're spanking a child, you're trying to get that devil out. You're not. So, so you just, don't do that no more. Don't do that no more is a, is a level of correction at a certain level. But if something's possessing your child, or, or I gave you the scenario of, of, of the child that opened the door on the uh, highway, well, you can't say don't do that no more like you say, hey, don't drop that book no more. Dropping a book is not going to destroy their lives. Rolling down the highway will. So one had to have some pain attached, right? So again, um, uh, good parents wait on delayed gratification. They're not thirsty for instant gratification. So good parents wait on delayed the gratification. Hey, you might not see it until they mature and they really understand the value of who you are. You may be Darth Vader for quite some time. But sometimes we want instant gratification, so we get our gratification at the expense of what they, they need to get to help their lives. So a lot of times, the friend parents on the back end become enemies. Because when your kids mature, they're going to say, well, I noticed their family must have cared about them. They gave them what they needed. So obviously, you didn't care about me. You didn't prepare me for this. Because now they're mature. And you're the one they're going to despise because you just did what was comfortable for you, not what was best for them. Enemy parents become friends because they realize you're not trying to be liked. It's all about them doing what's best for them. 
And so as they mature, they're going to love you because it's like, man, you prepared me. Like, you equipped me for what I'm dealing with out here. And I appreciate that. I didn't appreciate it at the time, but I appreciate it now. We have a lot of those conversations. Well, it started in college. My, first, my son called us from school. All right, I see what y'all saying now. Then he called us when he got married. I see what y'all saying. <laughs> you know, then when he had his first, first child. I see what y'all, every, every level, even now that they're older, because now they're, they're at the age that he was, you know, questioning things. So now he's dealing with some of the same things. Um, so he says, I see what y'all saying now. But if we didn't do the right thing, he wouldn't see what we're saying. He would be saying, why didn't you give me something to, for me to understand this? Does that make sense? So it's not just affection and confession. Sometimes we think parenting is just, I just want to be affectionate, and I want to speak the right things over, especially Christians. I want to speak the right things over. It's also direction. You have to direct them, right? Um, uh, so there's, there's someone that I knew that used to say, I let my kids make their own choice from when they were little. But your kids don't know how to properly make choices. So why? But, but that's what they like. So, so that's how we're doing it now? Whatever your kids say they like, you're going to let them do. Well, that's what they want to wear. So you're putting them in harm's way. I, I worked in correction. And I remember I did, a, I did a rap session. And in a rap session, one of your guys was wearing, um, uh, what do you call it, a gothic. You know, he had the black fingernails, long trench coat, the boots, and everything. And so when we start talking, he says, well, Mr. Bradley, this is my challenge. I'm almost getting beat up every other day. He said, and I just don't understand, you know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just different. I said, so. I said, so I gave him an example. I said, you got, you got ten lines. Each line, people are wearing certain things. This line, people are dressed business dress. This hip-hop dress. This is gothic dress. This is a Marilyn Manson dress, whatever the case may be. I said, in this line, people have been getting beat up for years. Just you got in the line. So you don't just get the dress, you get beat up too. And so sometimes when we're saying it's okay, okay, we know the cost and we're saying it's okay because they like it, but we're putting them in harm's way. Sometimes we're putting them in a confusing place. It's just like, you know, when, when, when it's our job to direct and to guide them. God fearfully and wonderfully made them. It's our job to guide them. So, and we have to understand the position we're in. So if, 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 you're, a, if you're a single father and you have daughters, you have, to, you have to overwork to make sure you afford your, your daughters what it takes to be young ladies because you can have them growing up to be tomboys. That's cute when you're young, when you get older, now they're not all guy, right? So they're, gonna, they're always going to be uh, stand out among the guys, right? Because they're not, they're not a guy. They're going to they're stand out among the girls because they're acting like a guy. So, you just, so now they're going to feel isolated and depressed most of their life. But you put them in that situation by not guiding them into doing what's best. You, you allow them to stay in this confusing place, and then every level, they're going to be scrutinized, picked at, sometimes beat up, 
all because you put them in a confusing place because this is what they like. It's our job to guide them and to do what's best. So, so, so that's a, we're supposed to train them up, not pacify them up or neglect them up. It says train them up. Training means it's something that you haven't mastered or you don't fully understand. So I'm going to take you through training. We've all been trained, right? Whether it's sports, jobs, this, that, and the other. You show, you show up with something that maybe you haven't been able to do before, and you're going through something that's kind of shifting you, making you uncomfortable as you develop into doing it. So you, you have to do that with your kids, too. So again, keep trying to uh, appease them, and it's going to snap back and bite you in, in the future. So one of the other things you can do as a family is to have devotion time. Um, you know, especially if you go to church, you hear a word, you go home and talk about it. You know, just like get their input, you know, talk about, you know, what did they learn from what they heard? Um, a lot of families aren't doing that. That devotion time is so vitally important and they'll remember that when they get older. Um, so you want to have devotion time. Like, Can I offer something? Yeah. So, so what we don't realize years ago, I, I, way back to the 1914s, you know, when families had devotions at home, when they went to school, they had devotions in school. When a part of their curriculum was the Bible. And then when they got home, they had devotions again. They started to shift things. They slowly took the Bible out of school, they solely took prayer out of, or the commandments out of school, then they took prayer out of school, and look at the craziness. Like, no one's saying, wait a minute, this didn't work. Like, somebody should have just said, you know, we tried, it didn't work. But somebody thought something was wrong with people, kids constantly seeing, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet. You know, that, that was like, well, we don't want to warp them. Okay, well, now what you got them looking at? Yeah, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So we, we took out the very consistency that kept them God-mindful, God-focused. So you can go back and research of the production in the entire society because of what people were doing at home, at school, back at home. That's when, so th look at all your inventors, you know, whether it's, you know, this Black History Month, I'm going to give you George Washington Carver and, and, you know, and Benjamin Banneker and people like that. But if you go back and look at the, the things that they created, and it wasn't like one thing. Now you got somebody invent one thing, and they just ride off of that, you know. But it was like, it was just like, that wasn't enough. So it wasn't about making money. It was about, I got all this creativity, in, and I got to do something with it. If you look at what Benjamin Banneker did and his engineering and and you know, how everything was done in, in Philly and stuff like that. It's, it's amazing. Or, or all the different inventions for the peanut with, with George Washington Carver. Like, so, so you have more creativity because what? People were spending time with the creator. We're designed to create. Now, the number one thing you hear is, I can't. I don't know how. It's too hard. But when you have creativity, you love, him, you love when something is hard and difficult. Because you, you can use your creativity to figure a way out of it, around it, through it, or create something different, a new vehicle to take you to a whole nother level. But that's because you're spending time with the creator. 
we're spending more time with something that's already created or twisted or perverted, so we live a twisted and perverted life a lot of times. See, so that's... So, so, is that me? Oh, oh, my bad. Nah, that, that was, this is all Pastor Mel's fault. <laughs> Didn't get that. <laughs> Thank you, Siri. <laughs> That's my girl. There, there, there I go. All right, I turned it off. My fault. All right, so that's, that's, that's uh, we're going to pick up, uh, unless you want to do this. Uh, yeah, let me just hit these two, I guess. Okay, and then we'll, we'll close out. Yeah, um, so we talked about devotion. Um, this is so big, y'all. Family time. So kids today is so engulfed in computers. And honestly, sometimes even television shows the kid is sitting there all day just watching shows. As a baby, they need stimulated. Like they need their brain stimulated, but with people, not the television. And so, you know, you got some kids that two, three years old acting out what they see on television. Um, and, and, and so you got to monitor the time they're on their phone, which that blows my mind because at nine, I ain't had no phone. At nine years old, come on. We had, and I'm, to, we had to use our creativity. We, we got people that got iPhones, like the, the best iPhone. <laughs> you know, so phones is a, is a big one, y'all. Like, there should be a time scheduled for that type of stuff. It shouldn't just be here. You got a phone, you got your extra. laptop, you got your computer. Mm -hmm. Hey, just go to your room and do what you do. Uh-uh, we need as parents to be responsible and monitor, you know, matter of fact, after a certain time, guess what? If, if, I, if we had small children, I'm telling you this because I would do it. If we had small, smaller children and even teenagers, we do it now. if we're we, paying we the bill, the if we're paying the bill, guess what? At 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, guess where the phones go? It don't go with them. It goes in a room locked up. Wait, what's happening? It's, no, it's, it's, okay. it's on. So, you know, computers and TV time and, you know, because the kids are not interacting with their family. They're not even interacting with each other if you have more than one child. And so that's a dangerous thing because God intended for us to fellowship together as a family. And if, if, if your child is sent to the room and, and, and go, I even saw one little girl, it was a little girl, she was probably, I don't know, maybe 12 months old maybe. This little child, they gave the baby a book. Y'all probably seen this. Gave the baby a book and the little girl was sliding, trying to slide a book. Now that's saying something because that's saying to me, parents aren't reading to the child. And reading is a wonderful opportunity to like um, spend time with the child. It's an intimate time with the child. But to, to sit there and then you tell the kid, now I want you to read such and such. No, that's a good time for the, of, of interaction. You read a page, I read a page. You know, but the computers, the TV, all of that has been a total distraction and has been dividing and separating families. You could be in the same, you can be in the same household and don't know none of your family members. 
because everybody is off in their own corner doing their own thing with the computer and the TV. So we gotta, as parents, you have the, you have the right to say, listen, in our house, there's time slots for certain things. Because if you don't do that, I promise you, they're not gonna be saying, oh, by the way, mom, you know what? Here, hold my phone, because I'm getting ready to go to bed. They ain't thinking like that. But you paying the bill. So here's the thing. Well, I don't know how to get Johnny to, 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 to not do, you know, what, what you know, uh, get on his phone and, 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 uh, at a certain time. I don't know how to do it. Well, stop paying Johnny's bill. If Johnny doesn't follow the rules, then Johnny doesn't get the phone. It's just that simple. You're paying for it. So we have to really watch, um, you know, giving children too much leeway uh, and, and, and allowing the television to grow up our children. Because that's really, a, that's what's been happening. Don't give up on parenting no matter how hard, it, how hard it gets. Sometimes you do feel like, oh, God, I can't take this. Oh, God, I don't even know the answer to this child. This child is more difficult than the other child. Don't give up no matter how hard it gets because when it's all said and done, number one, they were God's child first. We're just allowed to be stewards over them. Mm -hmm. And so God has the answer. He has, he has a customized uh, plan for the child. So what, instead of looking at the kid like, what's wrong with you? you? You're a freak of nature. No, let me go deeper in God to find out what is needed for my child. How can I reach him? And the Holy Spirit is a good teacher. He'll teach you how to reach that child because not everything goes for every child. You can't cookie cutter it and be like, well, it worked for Johnny. And then, you know, uh, 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 Joseph over there is, you know, like rebellious. He, he, it wasn't for him. It was for Johnny. So we just got to really, really uh, work hard. And I think we can stop there. Yeah. Well, the last thought is a parent doesn't abandon a child at the first sign of cost. Mm -hmm. A parent doesn't abandon a child at the first sign of cost. So, you know, when you first, you know, a lot of times you have a child as a novelty, oh, they're cute, it's my baby, and you, you ride that my baby, but the child's going to start changing, they're going to start questioning, yeah. uh, because we're, we're born in this world of sin, they may start uh, rebelling, or they may not flow as comfortable as you want to, that's not the opportunity to abandon, that's the time to actually use that love, you know, if the only time we love people is when they're lovable, something's wrong. You don't need love when people are lovable. You need love when they're unlovable. Mm -hmm. But you can't abandon a child at the first sign of cost. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when it starts to cost is when people, I, you know, well, I, I know some people that, are, you know, they a trip, I can't do nothing with them. It's not necessarily true, it's just gonna cost you. It's gonna be an investment. Mm -hmm. But there is no hopeless situation, you know. I mean, the Bible says all things are possible, to them that believe. With man is as possible, not with God. With God, all things are possible. And having worked uh, with, you know, juveniles and youth for years, when you interview them, they feel like they're not worth the cost a lot of times. And so they've given up on themselves because they believe somebody gave up on them. And so, and behind the front, there's always a heart. And you can always reach the heart. It's going to take God, but you can always reach the heart. And sometimes it's, 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 it takes a lot of wisdom. If it's worth it, you pray about it. Just like you pray for that car in that house, pray for the wisdom and the insight to reach the heart of someone that looks like they're unreachable. Right. That's good. All right, so, so we're going to end there. Uh, 
this is our time where, where we open up for questions or comments, uh, either for those watching online, if you have a question or comment. If you're, if you're gonna call in, we're gonna ask that you put your TV on mute because you'll hear the feedback. And it's on a delay, so I've already said what I just said. So just, or if you wanna go on your computer and just chat your question, you can do that also. Um, it's somewhat a delay, so probably chat it right now, even if somebody else is talking. And anybody in the house, if you have a thought, maybe something that stood out for you, a uh, difference of opinion or a question or some insight, we would love to hear from you. And I'm sure the people watching would love to hear from it's you. There's two mics, too, one on each side. 